Welcome to Nepal Now. My name is Marty Logan. Room to Read works with more than 4,400 high school-age girls in three districts in Nepal. During the COVID-19 lockdown, from April to July 2020, 98% of those girls were unsure about returning to their school when it reopened. They were scared about the pandemic, their families were feeling the economic crunch, and they had already missed months of school in their final years of education, so it would be easy to not return. The organization knew it had to react, says Salina Tamang, Girls Education Senior Program Manager, in today's episode. First, it connected with the girls via mobile phones, and then turned to one of the oldest media, radio. Their first goal was to provide factual information about COVID, to reassure the students and their families. Next, they worked to rekindle the learning spark, again among both the girls and their families. In the end, 100 of the girls ended up getting married, instead of returning to studies. But thanks to last year's experience, fewer girls are at risk today and Room to Read is planning to incorporate radio into its permanent program. Now, here's my chat with Salina Tamang. Salina Tamang, welcome to Nepal Now podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Marty. So I know that last year, Room to Read did a survey in eight countries in Asia, including Nepal, and the finding was very significant, quite shocking, actually. It said that almost one in two girls were at a higher risk of not returning to school after the lockdown. Can you tell me, so it's about one year after, can you tell me, is the situation the same now, better, worse? Do you know how it's looking? You know, when the, when the COVID started and um, me uh, working in Nepal as the girls education uh, senior program manager, um, you know, it was, it was sort of like a panic situation in the beginning, especially for the girls because they were getting all this um, negative news from social media and friends and families. So um, the immediate thing that Room to Read did was to stay in touch with the girls um, to sort of give them the relevant information on COVID and then the, the situation. And we, uh, we normally, in normal circumstances, track girls who are at risk of dropping out because, you know, our program is uh, all about ensuring that the girls uh, complete secondary level education in all the countries that we work in. So um, the, since the circumstances were different, we started doing a, a, a program called Remote Individual Mentoring, where um, the social mobilizers who are in charge of these girls in terms of mentoring and giving them life skills education started reaching out to them through phones. Um, so we had some risk indicators which did show that almost 98% of girls were sort of like in a dilemma or, you know, in a confusion and that, you know, they were really scared or uncertain about going back to school. Um, mostly it was because they were uh, scared of the, the, the pandemic. Uh, you know, the other risk factor that was, you know, highly, um, 
seen was their family members, their parents losing their sources of income because of the lockdown, because of uh, which, you know, they knew that they would not be able to afford their education any longer. And also, if time came, the priority would be more of, uh, you know, educating their sons rather than the daughters, because we had been working with them in sort of building up that motivation towards their daughter's education. And, and you know, because as the time progressed, um, they started losing that motivation, even the, the parents and both of the girls. Uh, so we knew that we had to definitely get into action. Um, but, but the situation right now is a lot better. And, um, you know, because of all the pivot activities that we did. And um, when, you know, when the schools reopened, we did not see a lot of dropping out um, because of what we did to tackle the problems and the challenges. The situation actually was better than when there, you know, when the schools were in normal circumstances. Okay, well, that's great to hear. You know, the worst case scenario didn't come about. So now, now we're again in another lockdown. Uh, kids aren't, for the most part, taking school, although some in private schools, say here in Kathmandu and probably the bigger cities also, they're doing online learning, but that's really the m minority of students in the country. So then Room to Read has now come up with a new program, I guess, which is kind of a follow-on for the, from the one you were describing. And it's all about using the radio to, if I understand correctly, both just to keep girls connected with room to read and with what's going on around them with the pandemic, with society, but also to try to keep them learning during the lockdown. So can you tell me more about that? You know, the remote individual mentoring calls that we did last year was actually only one of the programs that we did because we started radio I think it was the first time that Room to Read, um, you know, in any of the countries actually started radio for the first time because most of our work involves being in school um, and giving them sessions and workshops in schools and mentoring them uh, to talk about their problems and finding solutions. But then, you know, we knew that uh, it was very important if the girls were to continue being motivated, continue learning at home to give them some sort of the same kind of uh, support. So we started radio program um, last year in um, April and um, we sort of did a, a situation analysis where we found out that the first thing we had to do was cater to their mental health. Uh, we, we started with sessions on COVID um, and then also to give them information. And then the second thing that we had to sort of address was their motivation towards their studies and the parents' motivation. So, you know, we were sort of new to that, but we still thought of the best thing that could help uh, to sort of maintain their, um, their motivation. So we actually got um, some of our alumni who's already uh, graduated from our programs to tell their stories on radio about how they faced their challenges, overcame them, and now they're like career women and doing really good and helping financially at home and also being financially secure, as well as 
um, local uh, community level women to talk about, you know, their own uh, struggles and then how they're successful. So after that, we knew that the learning had to be continued because um, Room to Read is about giving life skills on top of the, the academic, uh, you know, motivation uh, to girls. So we started doing uh, life skills through radio, which was on the topics uh, that we already have in our curriculum. So it was more about uh, self-awareness, about being how to sort of uh, calm themselves in this situation, how to help their families. And then um, we also, uh, you know, covered issues on having a safe space because we had heard about uh, mental breakdowns, about abuse at home. So uh, we, we knew that we had to talk about these issues as well. And then we finally got to the point where we started talking about, you know, their love for the school, about how to study at home, how to continue, uh, you know, their learnings at home, and then gradually thinking about their goals and their careers. So um, it, it, was, it was quite successful because when we did the remote individual mentoring in the beginning, the girls at risk was almost 98%, but that we managed to bring it down to 2% by the end of the year. But then this second uh, lockdown was even more uh, chaotic because, you know, they had finally gotten um, used to being at school and then, you know, used to being in, in, in sort of like a normal situation. But then all of a sudden schools were closing and they, they were back home. So uh, right now we haven't actually gotten to life skills yet, but we thought about uh, a different kind of radio program. So we sort of... Um, prepared eight different episodes. And the first one being, we got an expert to talk about, um, you know, the COVID. It was a medical expert so that they got all the information. And then the questions were asked by the, the girls themselves and their families. And then secondly, we had a head teacher who, had, who actually was a COVID survivor to talk about, you know, how he battled COVID mentally, physically, and uh, managed to survived through it so that, you know, he sort of gave motivation. And then gradually, um, you know, we brought it down to early marriages because early marriage was also a big factor last year. And then um, to talk about, you know, safe space. So that's, that's, that's what we are doing right now on radio. Okay, well, that's very interesting. I want to ask you about uh, the questions that you said the girls and their families posed. But first, just a detail we're talking about, if I understand correctly, girls in high school. Are they uh, across the country or are they in only certain provinces? Who are we talking about? The girls that we're working with right now is around 4,417 plus in um, three different districts of Nepal. You know, we sort of uh, work around the school system rather than focusing just on an individual girls. So the districts are selected, the schools are selected, uh, and then we work with them to make sure that they, they, you know, get the services that we're providing. We are planning to scale up with our programs because life skill is an integral part of the, the government's plan. And it's also been integrated in the national curriculum um, to integrate 
it within the local uh, system of the government so that they uh, get support from our, um, you know, more than 20 years of experience working in life skills uh, to sort of roll out the, the curriculum with uh, the supplementary help and materials that we can provide. And also uh, to scale up, not just to the municipalities and the schools that we're working in, but, you know, beyond that as well. Okay. Well, that sounds very promising. So when you were mentioning one of the earlier, I guess, the phase that came before this more recent phase where you had asked girls and their parents to ask questions and give feedback, what did you find? What were they most interested in or worried about? Was it the pandemic? Was it when they go back to school? When can they start studying? Was it more of these kind of life questions that you've described? I recall the questions I don't remember anything that had to do with school but I think they were worried about the current situation because most of the questions that came were like people are getting infected everywhere in the community in the society um, you know there are people dying and we're sort of like in the middle of it and um, there were questions about what does it mean that there is this second wave and then there is going to be maybe a third wave and what are the variants? So it was, it was sort of like very practical questions. And then there was this question from uh, uh, one of our uh, program girls. She was asking, you know, so when are we going to get uh, vaccines for people who are teenagers or, you know, below 18? And then there was another questions where a girl asked about, there are all these uh, um, talk going around that, you know, COVID can be treated through um, herbal medicines. Uh, we can make medicines at home using so-and-so materials. So how true is that? And then um, another girl asked a question on, okay, so my father is, uh, a, you know, he's COVID positive. So how do I look after him? Or my mother looks af look after him, keeping ourselves safe. Um, and, you know, she actually later on uh, reported back to us saying it was very helpful and then that his, her father has recovered and they were able to give him the, the, the full support because of the program. So it was, it was very, very practical, practical um, sort of questions in terms of the current situation and what to do if one of their family members or themselves are COVID positive what are the services available, and so forth. Okay. I mean, in a way, it's a bit surprising that they haven't got that information because it seems like there's a lot of information around, but maybe that's just me being online all the time and actually seeing all of this stuff on Twitter, but not realizing that not everyone is always connected, right? Like I said, most of the girls that we work with like I would say, do not have their own mobile phones or have uh, connection to the internet. So they have, they have to depend on whatever they hear from like maybe their neighbors or, you know, their, uh, their family members or their friends. So that was why we, I thought that it was very important that they got accurate and correct information about the, the situation. Okay, right. If I'm understanding correctly, one of the main motivations or the main aims of this program is to, as you just described, you know, inform the girls. And that information includes a lot of discussion about things they're worried about, about their concerns. And then also 
the, maybe the second or another main aim of the program is to keep the girls motivated to learn and to you know be ready to go back to school. Now, when that happens, and we don't, we still don't know when, but it looks like it may be coming relatively soon. Will you keep doing this kind of radio program? Do you know? Have you have you planned ahead? You know, the reason that we thought radio would be appropriate because you know we're we're working with girls who do not have access to any other means. Radio was sort of like the best way to reach out to as many as possible. We do have some challenges around um, radio programs because, like I mentioned before, not all the girls have access to radios or, you know, are using their parents' mobile to sort of listen to the programs. And we had to work around a lot of different time slots to be able to reach out to as many girls as possible. Uh, we've also thought about alternatives in terms of how we can get girls to access these programs. You know, our social mobilizer actually came up with this plan of uh, doing collective calls to girls, uh, you know, conference calls, and then making sure that they hear uh, the radio, um, you know, from the phone. So it would be like around eight to 10 girls uh, during one call. This was during the lockdown time. But then when the, when the schools opened and we realized that there were still some percentage of girls who did not, you know, have the, the, the correct, the means of listening to this radio. So what our social mobilizers did was they actually um, made small groups of girls and got their laptops with the radio recording and then a speaker and then played the radio programs in the radio. So um, we are planning to continue um, radio programs because we feel like it does not only benefit our program girls, but it is beneficial to all the adolescents, you know, especially studying in the secondary level. So we are planning around doing radio programs based on the life skills curriculum that we have uh, matching to the government's own curriculum. And then maybe some aspects of, um, you know, gender equality in education uh, involving um, certain programs that would be beneficial to both boys and girls. We're also thinking in, in future about, uh, you know, the vulnerability of uh, students actually um, losing their homes, losing their um, you know, schools are even losing the time that they need to be in school because of the climate change, uh, you know, the floods and then uh, the landslides and the earthquake and all that because Nepal, you know, has some places which are hotspots to these um, disasters. So we're also looking at connecting life skills, you know, what they've learned in life skills to prevent or um, save themselves from this um, uh, catastrophes as well in the future. We're not just looking at doing um, community-based or local-based radio programs, but we're looking at doing a national uh, radio program, you know, because this is not our forte, like room to read expertise in radio is what we've learned from last year. And so we are, we are planning to work with maybe another organization who is, you know, expert in radio to sort of 
build capacity of our own staff and also to develop um, technically um, sound programs for girls and boys all around Nepal. So this is like a three to four years planning that we've already done. That sounds very ambitious. And it's really interesting to hear you mention climate change, because it seems to be touching almost every aspect of our lives these days. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Tell me just a little bit more about life skills. If you break that down a little bit, what are, what things are we talking about? You know, the, the life skills that we've been giving since the last, uh, I would say, 15 to 20 years is all uh, based on the changes that the adolescents go through uh, once they reach puberty, you know, and then the pre and the post um, uh, phases. So it's it's all based on that. And um, most of the most of the um, topics and the curriculum are based on um, the the different changes that they go through as per the different ages that they go through from grade six to 12 of completing their secondary level education. So the three major factors that we focus on in terms of life skills is um, the girls being self-aware, you know, knowing who they are, knowing their values and their beliefs, uh, and sort of, uh, you know, using that to uh, sort of make the big, you know, make the right decisions in their lives. And then, you know, the second thing is about being empowered through different topics like how to uh, communicate effectively, how to solve problems creatively, how to think critically. Um, And then the third uh, main aspect that we focus on is being um, socially aware. You know, this talks about uh, peer pressure, you know, not to give in to peer pressure and how to say no so that they have the right tool to make that decision to continue their schools. And as they grow older, it's about having healthy relationships with the, with the opposite sex um, and, to ha- you know, and to find out how to make a safe space for themselves, how to be safe from abuse. Um, and you know, we also talk about acquaintance rape because we know that a lot of rape that happens in Nepal is uh, of that nature. So, um, and then later on, uh, as they become senior, like I would say they reach grade 10 to 12, we focus on uh, internet safety, we focus on how to prepare themselves for higher level education to sort of prepare for their career. Um, so it's, it's all sort of interconnected, you know, the, the, the topics, and then we have different toxic topics for each grade. So basically, we are teaching these girls uh, ultimately to be able to make the right decisions for themselves in critical times and also the most important decisions in their lives. And uh, that invo- involves, you know, firstly, to be able to continue their education, to decide whom to marry and when to marry, and to decide on the career path that they want to take. Wow, that sounds very important. And I'm thinking, especially now when so many things are uncertain, right? And there are so many uh, unexpected pressures coming in, like you mentioned, climate change. But, you know, obviously COVID is the big one, right? No one knows how long it's going to last and the impact on the family overall. You mentioned economic earlier. 
And that has repercussions throughout, uh, you know, the family members' lives in so many different ways. And so for the girls to feel confidence in, in how to respond to situations seems, you know, doubly important these days. Yes. And we actually, Marty, we, uh, we do work with girls. We, we don't work with girls only. We also actually work with parents. We do t- two sets of workshops for them every year. Um, and then the good thing about us engaging with parents is, you know, our parents' uh, attendance in the workshop is more than 90%. And through that, you know, because we think that when we, when we talk about gender equality in education or for girls to be empowered, it's not just like a one-way track, like just working with girls. But I think it's also about making sure the parents value their education, um, to give them enough time to study at home, uh, make it more favorable for them to be able to uh, study for their exams, and to also help sort of save money for their higher level education. And um, so these workshops are sort of entertaining and very uh, informative for the parents to realize um, how to be more engaged in their girls, uh, in their daughter's education, how to sort of uh, engage with schools to find out about how they're doing academically. Um, and and it's, it's sort of like a long journey, but we have managed to change a lot of parents as well. And we see that uh, in, in, in little things like buying um, a torchlight or even making weaving a basket for the books, you know, um, and sort of calling the social mobilizers uh, about their their daughter's report card. When we were starting, it was actually the social mobilizers saying, "Okay, the results are out." So, so it's 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 been working, uh, you know. But then still, we we had a lot of uncertainties when the COVID started because we could see that the parents were also losing that motivation. So we send them little messages at times and talk to them as well over the phone to sort of constantly remind them that it's important that when the school reopens, you know, their daughters need to be in school and even at home uh, that they're doing all the housework and all the, you know, other work that they're helping their parents with. It's important that they set aside some times for them to study. Yes, yeah, very important. And everyone is feeling so much pressure now um, that you can see how, you know, these things would get uh, overlooked. Well, th- this has been really interesting. Um, thank you very much. Is there is there something else that you wanted to mention that we didn't talk about? I would say a challenge that we um, had was well, last year was early marriage as well. Almost 100 plus of our programs girls actually got married. I think that had to do a lot with uh, financial insecurity um, and then uh, very poor planning in, in, in relief distribution and all that. But we are also trying to, we have been trying to focus on certain programs to the radio to make sure that um, we make uh, the local government more accountable as well as uh, the parents know the legal consequences of early marriages as well. And we can see that it's working because just recently there was a case when the relatives were forcing the girl to get married. But once she mentioned the legal aspect of uh, what could happen to them, 
the mother fully supported her and, you know, the marriage was stopped. So I think this is something that we need to make people more aware of, you know, that the COVID is not just, um, the situation is not just about people who are infected and suffering medically, but it's also about how the girls who are supposed to be in school, the boys who are suffering in school are sort of um, also going through a very tough time because of the current situation and the parents and, you know, the, even the government should be more aware of that. I'm very happy to hear that outcome because one of the things that people told me is that, you know, many people know the legal implications, but they go ahead anyway because they've learned how to kind of get around it and maybe they, they fiddle with documents. But that's great that that girl had the presence of mind and that her, her mother listened to her as well and, and acted on what she was saying. So we hope hope to get more of those, you know, um, those cases happening, girls being more empowered to talk about her rights and to talk about what is good for her and to be able to negotiate and convince their parents or their families to respect what she wants to do. Right. But generally, it sounds like you're saying generally things are better this time than during the first lockdown. It is, it is actually, I would say, better. But the thing is, we also learned from last year's experience um, not to let sort of things um, get worse. And we, we immediately know uh, what would be best for the girls because of what we experienced last year. And we have been able to support them throughout. And we do hope that the radio programs are not just helping the girls in our in our project, but also helping other girls and boys as well. Right, as you described, you know, other students can can share, can can listen in on on the radio quite easily. Okay, Salina, thank you very much. Uh, it was really good to hear about this, and good to hear that you're innovating to keep your pro your programming and your the learning the girls learning on track. So thanks very much. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Salina Tamang of Room to Read. You can find the organization's website URL in the notes to this show. If you liked what you heard, please give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Keep up with the show between episodes on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We're Nepal Now or Nepal Now Pod. You can send me your feedback, ideas, or just say hi at marty at martylogan.net. Thank you also to Soraya Logan for her work on the show's social media. I am Marty Logan. I produce the show and we'll talk to you again soon.